0: It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. After 30 years of traveling and lecturing, Barbara Deegis retired. Although, she still has a website with blocks of the month, quilts, crafts, and projects, as well as selling her patterns. Does that sound like retirement? Oh yeah, and she still is teaching online at Academy of Quilting. What a remarkable lady. I've really been looking forward to doing this interview again with you, Barbara, since we had to scrub the first one we did. I really appreciate you doing this over with me.
1: Oh, that's all right. I might think of more things this time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Please tell me about where you were born and raised.
1: Well, I was born in Chicago. My mother had asthma really bad and my aunt and uncle were living out here in California and we came to visit them and the doctor had told my mother that moving to California would be really good to get away from the ragweed Mm -hmm. in Illinois or in the Midwest or whatever you want to call it. So we came out and my dad was enthralled with the fact that he didn't have to shovel snow at Christmas. By May, we moved out here. (laughs) So I was about four years old at the time. Then that was in the San Gabriel Valley in El Monte. Lived there until uh, high school, mid-high school. We moved up to Oregon briefly for about a year. And I loved it up there. And I wanted to stay, but my dad couldn't find work up there. He was a general contractor cabinet maker. And there, people make do or do without. And so he just was not finding any work. And mm-hmm. so we were up there because my aunt had been widowed and she was on 300 acres of orchard and couldn't handle it by herself. And so. We were there, and then she met a man who she married, and so we weren't needed. <laughs> so so we came back to California, to my disappointment. So we lived in the Pasadena area until I met my husband in 1966. We lived in the general area until 1996 when we moved up to Tehachapi. Being in the country, getting away from the city was a big thing for us. And I was thrilled because it reminded me of my time up in Oregon where I um, I just, you know, being out in the wildlife and is just awesome here. We had elk this morning at our bedroom window. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Neat.
1: But during that time in Pasadena. I took classes in creative stitchery. I grew up with knitting and embroidery and all of that. That was kind of my thing as we were raising family. I loved doing creative stitchery and then I got involved in needlepoint and just anything to do with threads. (laughs) So I did a cross stitch, and most of my things were all my own design, and so I entered a show I want a gold thimble, and that kind of got me started teaching stitching. I had been a kindergarten teacher.
0: Why don't you tell me about becoming a kindergarten teacher?
1: When I graduated, I went to college, just I was going to teach have student teaching i was helping in the fifth grade and then went to the kindergarten level and i really enjoyed the kindergarteners. and so that was my thing then i went found a job teaching kindergarten so i taught kindergarten for nine years oh, neat. then i met my husband we got married taught for a year and got pregnant and my first one and we decided I could stay home and not teach. So that was another thing that was nice about what I was doing in the background was my stitching and that being home and being able to do those things. Yeah, so I stayed home and this teaching about stitching came along. Then as I had these designs that won prizes, people liked what I did. And so, oh, would you come and teach at our shop? And it was one of those things that evolved. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know how it all got started. (laughs) (laughs) It was just something that happened. And then it kind of evolved into quilting. I am still involved in the stitching, and I decided I would enter the contest that was in, I think it was in 1986 was the 100-year anniversary of the Statue of Liberty, and there was a quilt contest. And so I entered that, didn't win anything, but at the time I was taking a class from Sandy Fox, who was a quilt historian, and she ended up being one of the judges at the show, but she didn't know that was my quilt. When I told her about it, she says it was very nice, you know. I mean, what else is she going (laughs) to (laughs) say? But I did enter it into a Stitcher Showcase, which was a needlework show, and so it wasn't just quilting, and I won first prize with my quilt, and I was looking at it this morning, a sterling silver scissor that's a pin. It's only about two, three inches long, and it's actually a pin, and it has engraved on the back, Stitcher Showcase, 1990. Oh, cool. Yeah, so then, again, people thought, oh, you know, would you teach us how you do that? And so it evolved. So I started really getting involved in the Quilters Guild. I had been in the Embroiderers Guild, but that was kind of not going anywhere. I got more interested in quilting. So the Glendale Quilters Guild was the one that I really got involved in. Again, all my quilts were originals. I very seldom do a pattern from someone. It's like, "No, I gotta do my own thing. I don't know why that is mm-hmm. So, step by step, you know we slowly turn. then thought, "Well, let me do something with these and developed patterns. hand piecing and quilting just became my thing, and the hand piecing is so portable. That I really liked hand piecing, but then I wanted to make more quilts, so I learned how to machine piece. Again, developed my own designs, and people wanted, oh, how do we do that? Oh, do you have a pattern for it? And so it's like, okay. So it was a process.
0: You mentioned embroidery. Were there other crafts besides embroidery and quilting that you've uh, done? Um,
1: the embroidery has kind of gone by the wayside. I learned how to knit when I was a little girl from my grandmother and my aunts and sewing too. I mean, all of that was something that I learned as I was growing up. But knitting is something that I do and I was delighted that I taught my two granddaughters how to knit while they were here That's I had fun. tried to teach them before when they came to visit but it didn't click and now it did and so it was like oh yes and, <laughs> and they were stuck on the plane going home and I got a picture of one of them knitting on the, the way home so it was like yes <laughs> <laughs> have fun and, and baking bread I've been making my husband's sandwich rolls for years and so now with all this shutdown I have a freezer full of yeast but they talked about sourdough and I thought well let me try sourdough and oh my gosh it's magic (laughs) I've got the sourdough starter that I use to make these rolls Mm -hmm. no yeast it's awesome I really enjoyed doing that but I think it's inherited. My mother's family had a bakery in Germany for quite a few generations. And so I have inherited the gene for baking.
0: Yeah. You said your mother's family, so do you remember baking with your grandparents?
1: Oh, I only knew my one grandmother, and she did not bake. That was my dad's mom. But I baked with my mom. My mom taught me how to make yeast dough. Although her recipe was never, you know, just so much. It was a pinch of this and a pinch of that and a handful of this and a handful of that, you know, and it's like you're trying to figure out what's going on. So I knew how to do it, what the dough feels like, and all of that, you know. Mm And so that sense of it I learned from her. But recipes? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: So who introduced you to quilting?
1: I I don't know if it was the opportunity to take a class on quilt history. Judith Tasker Mount was the teacher of the first class I took and then I took a class from Sandy Fox and they were ongoing classes they were just all year long and you would just go once a month to the class and discuss history and maybe patterns would be shared but basically it was more about history of quilting some technique but not really and as i say it was more hand piecing so that was something that i learned there it was on the hand piecing, but not machine piecing or quilting, you know, oh, and hand quilting. Hand quilting was a big thing with Sandy Fox hmm. and with Judith also, and that's where I learned how to use my favorite little quilting tool is Aunt Becky's Finger Protector. Oh my gosh, it saved my fingers underneath quilt because I have quilted, hand-quilted quite a bit, and I don't know how I could have done it without that.
0: Hmm.
1: I do know a lot of people don't bother using something underneath. They use their fingers, but I have no calluses. I use three thimbles for hand-quilting. A thimble on my middle finger and then a rubber finger either on my index finger or on my thumb or both. And then I have Aunt Becky's finger protector underneath and on the other side. And pulling the needle is so much easier with two rubber fingers. I just cut up an old rubber glove. Hmm. They last for quite a long time and then I get two more. You got ten with each set of gloves. (laughs) (laughs) And those are things that I really use for hand quilting. So I just finished one for our Glendale quilt show that was supposed to take place end of March, which it didn't happen.
0: So Mm -hmm. So you still do hand quilting?
1: Yes. I do a little bit of machine quilting, but only on things that are more um, utility type things, you know, mats or table runners or things like that where I'd want to get them finished and in use. Mm-hmm. And the hand quilting is something that, for instance, if I've hand appliqued on a quilt, it has to be hand quilted. It's like I didn't put all that work into the quilt top just to sit down and buzz through it with the machine. You know, I just... <laughs> No. <laughs> it would be an insult to my way of thinking for mm-hmm. all that handwork that I did on the quilt top. Yeah. Yeah, it takes longer, but that's okay. We've got winters here where you snuggle under the quilt and you quilt. So I enjoy that part mm-hmm. of it. It's very relaxing, except when I've got a deadline. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, I've got to get this done
0: now. <laughs> Could you describe your favorite quilt pattern or a quilt you have made?
1: It's really hard to nail it down. I would say probably my snow crystals quilt is my favorite. But then I really like my Christmas quilt. I don't know what it is about those two the snow crystals quilt did get on the cover of Quilters newsletter so maybe that's why it is. <laughs> <laughs> but when it was in Houston I got a phone call from them and asked could you send it to us and so we can take a picture of it for our cover. So that was nice. They're all gone now too, Quilters newsletter gone. Just sad. Yeah magazine
0: that must have been a neat feeling when you saw your quilt
1: on a publication and and I got a call from someone and she asked me if she could purchase it and it was like no um I don't think so I should have thought about it maybe (laughs) it was so out of the blue I should have Thought about it and maybe called her back and said, "Well, I want twenty thousand dollars for it and see what she <laughs> said." <says. laughs> but I didn't. I didn't do that. And I thought about it later. But it was like, "Oh well." It was one of those things. Again, a lot of handwork. Uh, it was all hand applique, snowflakes, and hand quilted. Therefore, and, um, and it was a king size quilt. So wow. <laughs> yeah, we sleep under it during the winter, because it's nice and cozy. It's got a wool bat in it.
0: Hmm.
1: That's my winter quilt, and I have a summer quilt, which is all machine quilted and machine pieced. So I don't have a problem with machine quilting a machine pieced quilt. My Christmas quilt was started in my class with Judith Tasker Mount, well, you know that was hand piecing and hand quilting. As I say, was were the big things that she would teach, and about the history of the quilts. And so anyway, she had this block that I thought I would use for it, and it was all hand pieced. The Whole top is hand pieced, hand applique. Then we went on a trip, and I found an antique quilt. That I fell in love with. The only problem is the block has 96, I think it's 96 pieces in it.
0: Wow.
1: It's a Lemoine star and then each point has half a star coming off of it. (laughs) When I realized I was going to have to make so many pieces it was like No, I don't think so. So I used it as the centerpiece of the Christmas quilt and then used the block from
0: the class
1: in the corners, and then I hand-appliqued the wreaths and then pieced and designed at the border, which was a ribbon. So that became a very special quilt because, as I say, it was all handwork. Wow. Hand pieced, hand applique, and hand quilted.
0: Sounds very detailed.
1: Yes. Because of this quilt, I think that's where my quilting career got started. I entered it in the Glendale Quilt Show, and it won a prize. So once it wins a prize, people kind of look at it twice, and one, you know, know about the person and all of that. And uh, this lady, Michelle Shoesmith, had thought, and she contacted me. She says, I love that quilt. Would you think about putting it on the cover of a magazine? And I said, oh, I don't think they're going to want this as a cover. And, well, I know the editor from Quilting Today, I believe it was, it's Been so long ago. She said, I'm sure they would love to have this cover so I said okay. She uh, asked me if I would like to print the pattern for sale and I go oh I've never done that and you know I mean I had done other things but not a whole book and you know just all of this and so she said okay we'll work together on it and So actually we did. We printed that one. Then I did a similar pattern called Patriotic Celebration. And she did a pattern for that. So she actually got everything printed and edited and all of that. And then once we had those out there, then I was asked to teach and all of that. And then... People asked me to come and teach at their guilds, and it was like, oh, my gosh, I have to talk to the people. (laughs) And because I had a collection of quilts by then, I went on the road with my first talk was where I've been and how I got here. And I brought all my quilts from my very first one, which was a bedspread for my daughter's room and oh that was really a mess on the back you turn it over and you go oh my gosh because I didn't know I could at that point when I first made that it was before I got even involved in quilting it was just a really you know machine quilting you know and it was always a mess but I brought that because I wanted them to see you don't necessarily start out making beautiful stuff right off the bat Mm -hmm. you know And then after a while, I got tired of doing just that one talk. And so I developed my play called A Thread Runs Through It. And I happened to take a class on one-person plays. I only took the class because I was doing these talks, and I wanted to find another way of expressing myself. And he wanted us to write a play. And it was like, well, how do I write a play? And I thought, oh, well, I'll write it based on my quilts. So that, again, was just our experiences up here on the mountain. I've done most of my quilting up here. I had done some down in Pasadena, but, mm, you know, it wasn't that exciting. But up here, there were different things that happened. And I just brought those stories into my quilting and ended up with this play. And that was very successful. We traveled all over the country with that. And then I thought, well, maybe I could write a book about my quilts that I do and the patterns that I developed. And sent that to American Quilt Society, and they picked it up and wrote it. And I got to pick the title and the cover picture, um, which is not something usually that happens when you write a book. The publisher is the one who does all of that. But I had sent them some pictures, and they, oh, we like this picture, because it was antique things. It was old things. And that's what I based it on, is this lady who lived in the 1860s or so, and she was a quilter, and she did all her quilts by hand until her husband brought home a sewing machine for her. And then she didn't even know what to do with it. So that was (laughs) part of my play. So that was a lot of fun.
0: So you wrote the play, and then it became a book. You said you went around with the play was it like a one-person play it
1: was just me talking about my quilts and i was dressed as a little old lady and i had an old trunk and i had the quilts all piled up on it and i had two quilts in the background on my website about my book i think i have some pictures of it i'm sitting there in a rocking chair i bring a rocking chair or they give me a rocking chair depending on what was going on you know if Mm -hmm. And I did find a folding rocking chair finally, and so I brought that, and that was easier to get in the car. (laughs) And I'm supposedly sitting on my front porch talking to a visitor and just telling her all about my quilts. So glad you stopped by, you know, and
0: so on. So neat. And then you had mentioned before about traveling like through Canada, and them checking your car? Yeah,
1: that was one of my last, I did a couple guild events after that, but that was basically my last hurrah, so to speak. (laughs) We drove up to Alaska through Canada, and because I was taking all my quilts with me, I mean, when I did the play, I had 30 quilts, so they were all in bags, and I didn't want to fly with them. There was just no way I was going to fly with all of that. Mm-hmm. And I'd heard so many horror stories about stuff getting lost. So that was not something I was going to try and do. So, And it was a nice adventure for my husband and me to do that. Yeah, we left here September 1st, and we got up there September 15th, I believe it was, and I was supposed to talk on the 17th. And September 1st in Alaska is the beginning of winter. Actually, they thanked us for bringing beautiful weather with us from California. (laughs) It was gorgeous up there, the sun shining. And until we left, we stopped in Haynes Junction on the way home, and we were going to stay there for a couple of days. And then my husband woke up Saturday morning, and he said, "Uh, there's three inches of snow on the car said we're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so we drove down to Haines and we caught the ferry there and took the ferry home. So, yeah, so we drove up and took the ferry home. Wow. We were just talking about it to our granddaughters, telling them about it. It was fun. It was incredible driving the Alaskan highway and We could only drive about two, three hundred miles a day. That's why it took us so long, because we didn't want to be driving at night. Well, the roads aren't great. They have a lot of potholes, and because of the permafrost, the roads get buckled. And so we didn't want to have any issues with that. And then there's motels and restaurants. In, in little towns about two or three hundred miles apart. So that worked for getting gas and having a place to sleep because we had a trailer full of goats. Yeah. And that was funny because we had to go from Canada to Alaska and and then back into Canada because of the way the road is. And so we would stop at the border and they'd say, What's in the trailer? and we said quilts and they go oh okay bye well we had the same configuration as hunters and so we would come to the border and there was a hunter with everything out of his trailer because Canadians are very strict on hunting up there you better take the whole animal you don't need to take the innards but Everything else. Hmm. Because if they just find you with a head and rack, you're in trouble because they don't want people taking sizes. Yeah. And so if you break the law up there, they'll take your gun away, you're not given a new license, and so on. So we had the same configuration. They did not ask to look in there once. Really? Yeah, it was really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but, we, you know, two old people, you know, probably didn't look like hunters, so that's probably why.
0: (laughs) You must look like a quilter.
1: Yeah, we don't look like hunters. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Tell me about your favorite tool in quilting.
1: Well, I mentioned the Aunt Becky's Finger Protector. That's for hand quilting. Mm -hmm. But for machine piecing, quick quarter. Oh, I love making half-square triangles. And the quick quarter is my go-to tool. It's about a half inch wide, has a slit down the middle. Yeah. It's the greatest tool. I wish I had invented it. Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't. It helped me actually figure out some piecing methods that you don't have to cut individual triangles for any of them making flying geese, stars, squares on point. I have some border techniques that I came up with because of that tool and using it to mark your squares and rectangles and triangles. There's corn and beans is a block that can be made just from squares and rectangles. You don't have to cut any individual triangles. Mm. Corner range is um, half square triangles going in two directions from the center. There's probably one, 2 I'm trying to think, um, three triangles along one side, and then they switch direction. And you can make it just without cutting up individual triangles, which is really awesome, because I hate cutting and sewing individual yeah. triangles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But with the quick quarter, it's not required. Neat. Now, say on some of my patterns, you can make a quilt with lots of triangles and you don't damage, you know, any triangles because they just develop with that quick quarter. So cool. I really love it. And, oh, and for sewing the um, quarter-inch foot, Oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. If you don't have a quarter-inch foot, you really need one. Mm-hmm. That really helps you keep a nice seam allowance and to the size you want them to.
0: Yeah. So what's your favorite part of the process?
1: I would say applique. If I can put applique in a quilt, I just love to applique. But um, designing... Unfortunately, I I use EQ7. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have so many quilts in there that I will never make. So that's designing, but actually putting them together, that's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that.
0: Have you thought as you're putting some of them together, it's even more work than you thought when you were designing it?
1: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. You know, you start cutting out the fabric. Oh, my gosh. All right. Maybe I should have made this smaller. (laughs) (laughs) Or not used so many pieces. A friend of mine said, your quilts are so piecey. (laughs) Oh, you asked me earlier about my favorite quilt. Well, I would say my favorite pattern that I sell is, according to Everybody who's buying it is waggly tails. I don't know if you saw that on my... I did. And, oh my gosh, I have sold so many of those. And when I first made it, I was the program chair for our quilt guild. And this lady came who was sold patterns and fabric and all of that. She was teaching at the time. But I wasn't taking class, but because I was program chair and in charge of the classes that we had at the guild i was there and i was sewing the binding on this quilt and she says oh what's that for and i said oh i designed it to sell it oh she says nobody's going to buy that she says people don't like generic dogs they want a breed specific quilt oh Oh, well, okay. I wish I had kept her name. (laughs) I would have sent her a letter saying, "Um, you were wrong. Um, That pattern, I sell at least half a dozen a week, if not more. It's constant. And I'm thinking, when is the whole world going to have this pattern? (laughs) I can't believe how many people buy it and they love it. And I send them a thank you note saying, thank you for purchasing it. Uh, please send me a picture when you get it done. And they do. I'm so thrilled when I see them in other people's fabrics. It just, that to me is the exciting part of a pattern. It is not designing the pattern, but getting responses from people that they love it and they send you pictures of it. And seeing it in someone else's fabrics is just the exciting
0: Yeah. Do you remember the first time you got to see one of your patterns made by somebody else and that feeling it gave you?
1: Um, The first time? No. But I'm thinking about this lady in my guild made the patriotic celebration and she entered it in a show and said, Oh, I put it into a show and I went to see it. I was thrilled. It's so special. Yeah, you made it in fabric, you put it on paper, and you put it out there. And what does someone else do with it? That's what's so exciting. And, well, and I taught the Christmas celebration quilt, and I could see those quilts develop. And that was just so, I, I can't even describe it. It just was, wow. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, yeah, that's about as much as I can describe it. It, um, It's exciting when people do what you've tried to do. And because of my website and my blog, and I do the applique block of the month, I haven't done it this year. I'm doing a mystery quilt this year. But I've had a couple of people send me pictures as they are developing the quilt. And I had this one lady every year for two years because it was a Two-year alphabet quilt, and she kept right up with me. And so, actually, <laughs> she did better than me. And she actually got the quilt together before I did. I don't know how to describe it, but it's very, very special. Maybe like giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see this quilt, and you think, "Wow!" And you know, and again, other colors, other fabrics so on and so forth. It's a very special feeling.
0: Can you tell me about your worst quilting experience or was that
1: oh, your daughter's quilt? Uh no, no, that wasn't the worst one. The oh, okay. worst one was where I decided to machine quilt a king-size quilt on my machine. I had done little things, you know, just to learn how to move around. But you know, they were like potholders or placemats, you know, so little tiny things. And I, well, I can do this, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The problem is, I didn't realize I should have safety pinned it or straight pins with those little silicon things you put on the tips. But I didn't realize. I thread basted it. (laughs) And the problem was I caught a thread the basting with the foot and all of a sudden the quilt is pulling towards me and I can't figure out what's going on and it's like this monster is coming to eat me or something <laughs> I don't know and, it was, and I go to grab for it and I get my finger under the needle oh no well of course I pull away immediately well I broke the needle and there's this piece of needle sticking oh. out of my throat. and and uh, I pull it out, and I got blood all over the quilt, and, well, hydrogen peroxide took it out, (laughs) put a bandage on my finger, and put it away. I ended up giving it to our guild for Loving Hands quilts for people, and so I gave it to them, and they finished it. Someone pulled all the stitches out and redid it and (laughs) gave it to someone, so... I didn't want to touch it after that. I was done with it. Yeah. But then I did machine quilt, a Argelo quilt, and that was fine. But I learned safety pins, not thread basting. Mm-hmm. Thread basting is fine for hand quilting. And yeah. that's what you need to do for that, but not for machine quilting. So that was my worst quilting experience. <laughs> yeah. I don't consider my daughter's quilt because it was like basically my first quilt and I didn't know any better. <laughs> I didn't know anything about quilting at that point. I had nothing to do, I was home. I was still teaching at that point and then I was three months pregnant and they required me to take leave of absence. Hmm. And then when my children were going to school, my gosh, the teachers could teach up until the last minute it, <laughs> Not not when I was teaching, but that was a long time ago wow. over fifty years ago. so
0: mm-hmm. Why do you make quilts? What is Good. it about making quilts that you want to make a quilt instead of another hobby or craft?
1: Uh, I read your question and i 've thought about it. i don 't have a clue. Um, <laughs> I think it's more or less I like the geometric shapes and working with fabric and I think that has a lot to do with it. It's putting it together and designing it and turning it out in fabric instead of wood or stone or stained glass. I tried stained glass once (laughs) and I didn't like It it was too hard. Hmm. Yeah, not hard. It was a hard surface, and you had to be careful not to cut yourself and all of that. And I thought, no. mm -mm." My daughter made a little stained glass window that I'm looking at, um, but that was not my thing. And, you know, and it's easy to make geometric shapes in glass, but it was this. Cutting it and sharp edges and hard surface that turn me off. Yeah. You know? I think it's being able to do geometric shapes in soft fabrics. Other than that, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so who do you make them for? For
1: my children, for my grandchildren, for me, I have yet to sell some quilts, and I need to do that. I need to downsize, and so I'm going to have to sell some of them. I've sold a few, but not that many. I've sold ones that don't mean anything to me, you know, that I I put them together just to see what it looked like. Okay, Mm -hmm. I can sell that, yeah. The quilts that mean something to me, uh, you know, I made it because I was inspired by something, and um, those I don't know what I'm going to do with. My daughter is going to have to figure out what to do with so herself. <laughs> that's what I've decided. But I will sell some of the ones that I have, I'll just to downsize a bit.
0: Now we talked about tips along the way, but is there a special tip or some tips that you would like to share with me?
1: Yeah, they've been using the tools that I talked about, I do know that if you want to design a quilt, it's easier to do it on your computer than using paper and graph paper, because that's how my very first quilts were designed, was with graph paper, and once you could design them on the computer, oh my gosh, yeah, being able to see it in what it might look like in colors and fabrics. I think the computer programs, especially the EQ programs, are really wonderful. Yeah. I, I haven't gotten into EQ 8 that much. EQ 7 is still my go to one when I want to figure something out. Are they
0: very different?
1: Yeah, they've upgraded certain things. And so I just haven't gotten into the, you know, when you get used to something, it's right. hard to, oh, now I have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, so I go back to EQ7. No. I'm sure they won't appreciate that. But <laughs>
0: Well, my husband bought me EQ8, so I, I've never tried EQ7. I was just curious what I missed.
1: Oh, well, then if you're going to use EQ8, then it'll be the same. It's just, as I say, they upgraded and changed some things the way they do it, and so I'm used to doing it the old way. And to change my habits is very hard on me. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't used EQ7, you'll be fine with EQ8. Okay. It's a lot of fun to design. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I see that you're a faculty member at Academy of Quilting. Can you tell me a little about that?
1: Yes. It started out as Quilt University. And a lady here, I think she was down in one of the southern states, Um, Virginia. Yeah, I think she was in Virginia. And she ran that for many years, and I was part of that and taught my different classes there. And then uh, she passed away, and this lady from New Zealand purchased it Hmm. from the lady's husband, and she changed the name. And it's basically the same, and I still teach my classes there. I keep wanting to add another class and I I just run out of time Yeah. so. I'm going to try and do some video taping of some of the techniques that I show. But I haven't put that into it yet so I need to do that. Neat. But that seems to be very successful. A lot of people take classes. Very interesting to do it that way. I present the classes and the pictures and the information and people just sign up and they take the class as they want to take it so when it was quote university there was more interchange between the students and the teacher but this is more you just take it on your own and if you have any questions you can talk to the teacher about it but i don't hear from anybody but they take classes so
0: neat and I really like the way you sign your emails. I thought that was really cute. Peacefully yours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when did you oh. start using that? Oh my gosh, quite a long time now. I don't know why I did that, but there was something about quilting as peaceful. But then I don't want to say peacefully that way. I right. want to say <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: I could tell you were into quilting, seeing that signature peacefully, (laughs) piecing your quilt.
1: Right, right. You were talking about, since I have a business, trying to sell patterns. Once the internet came on, I thought, oh, I need a website. So we bought this book, How to Design a Website in a Weekend. Well took him a lot longer than that because I had more than one page. I had lots of pages. So my husband designed my website back in 2000. And then I slowly got involved in WordPress. And once I went to WordPress, he said, I'm done. I don't know anything about that. (laughs) But I had a friend who helped me with it. And so that's how I've been selling my patterns is through the website. Then there was Craftsy for a little while, and now they're gone. And Mm -hmm. Craftsy was a great source for selling patterns. Then I started doing a blog, and that's been fun, being in touch with people. I wish people would comment more frequently (laughs) on the blog, but they don't. They don't. And I know they're coming to read it because I can see how many people are there. And I have a lot of people who get my newsletter. I guess they want the free patterns, but, uh, you know, get every month. So I know they're signed up for that. But other than that, yeah. Nice. But that's fun to be in touch with people all over the world since I don't travel anymore. Yeah to know that I am still in touch with
0: people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fun. So thank you again for doing this with me again.
1: <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I hope it's better this time. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> this was fun.
1: So you Take care.
0: You too. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of A Quilter's Life. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a review as it helps others to find the show? Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website, or a Quilters Life Facebook group to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.